It's on. Wow, that was a good one. We have podcast number 10 of the Covert Show. We have a uh, special guest. Might be guest uh, periodically here is uh, Nick Henricks is joining us. Says, uh, Welcome to the show, Nick. We're excited to have you on board here going forward. Excited to be on. Excited to see what the, the topics are that we get brought up today. That is part of the fun of the show. And we also have an exciting thing where... Uh, uh, what do you want to say? Partnering with Raise Energy, kind of. As uh, if you use the code word COVERT20 at checkout, you get 15% off your order. RC's trying the uh, Raise Sour Gummies, I think it is, because that's the one that sounded the best out of the four. So, as he's, I think his mic, he turned his mic off. I sure didn't. <laughs> All right, there he is. So, do we have he's a. Back. Do we have an early take on the uh, sour gummies here? It's top three energy drinks. It's pretty solid. I really like it. And here we go. He's coming to try it, and let's see what he thinks. I give it a solid 9 out of 10. I'd drink it again. It's pretty good. 9 out of 10. We'll drink again. All right. Well, first take is it's clear, so that's cool. Thought there would have been some coloring with it, but the after like flavor there where it like punches you Ooh, sour I like is really that. good i like that all right anyway so we'll probably talk about that a few times through here but we're gonna start with uh some rc stuff here clown of the episode i hear is gonna be good uh we're gonna have some other uh news stories as well so what are you starting us with here in episode number 10 it's actually hard to believe we've already been through nine episodes up until this point I'm just going to start out with some music news and then let you two talk. But the <laughs> the word on the street is Mudvayne's coming back with their original look, makeup, overalls, and doing LD50, performing it all the way through. Is that the original? That's their very first album. With I Dig. know I know from talking to you that there was a certain level of disappointment or wondering with the whole makeup thing, and you were... You wanted them to go for it, and I mean, hey, you know, it's their first show back in a long time, so that would be uh, pretty big. And this is a fun one, I think. So Bad Wolves frontman Tommy Vexed is now touring with a band called Tommy Vexed and the Bad Wolves, but it's B <laughs> at sign D oh. W8LV3S. So he made it wow, bad wolves, but, some changed, but he changed it up enough that they can't really do anything about it. So that's really amusing. That's as, also okay, going to go ahead. But wait, hold on. So bad wolves is their lead singer is touring on his own, but with the band. And yet there, I personally am a fan of bad wolves music and I love the cover of zombie. Like that to me is one of the best oh, hard no, rock covers no, of a song. No, no. cranberries. Wow. Not no, 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 no. No, I'm saying cranberries, you can't get better than the original, but I mean, if you're going to do it, it's a close second with this one. Yeah. All no. right, keep the music criticism to a minimum, <laughs> RC. Wow, he just got on two minutes ago. Man, holy cow. I don't know. They're, they're good. I liked them. I so like this, them. anyway, this is going <laughs> to test your theory of, so you pull the lead singer from the band and put him with somebody else if that band can survive and sustain by itself here without him up front. Um, I believe they parted ways because of political differences, I'm pretty sure. Oh, baby. Yeah, so, and here we go. 
I'm pretty sure they parted ways. So have they that. officially come out and said, here's what happened, here's where the fallout is, or are we just going to play the we have to guess because no one's ever going to say anything? Not really sure. I know Tommy Vex has been doing his own thing, and uh, yeah, Bad Wolves, I believe, are in the studio working with a new vocalist, and I hope everything goes well for him because I'd like to see Bad Wolves continue performing. That is interesting, though, where he just takes the nice shot of, here's your name. I'm going to throw in a couple of uh, numbers in there. and He's already told, <laughs> um, Mr. Vexed already told the original like band for Bad Wolves, if they use any of his like music, that he's coming after them. Have fun. See you in court, boys. And yeah, that, th That's going to be a mess. Yeah, definitely. And... We got some super sad news for Insane Clown Posse fans. Violent J has been suffering from um, heart failure, and they are about to... Well, they already announced a farewell tour, but not dates yet. So, And they've already come out and said that they're going to be doing one-off shows. So they're not going to be done with music entirely. They're just not doing full-blown tours like they have done in the past. Well, you already said that we're going to try to be going to this no matter how far we're driving, so it's going to be a uh, it's going to be good. I mean, it is intriguing cuz I <clears throat> excuse me, I haven't seen like exactly how bad off his heart is. So, it'll be interesting to see like do they try to push everything to the beginning of 2022 and just roll the dice with whatever's going to go on with COVID or is this sort of like a started in may sort of uh concert series but it's interesting because like you said this will be one of the few that you know this is going to be it for sure you're going to have one-offs but they're kind of coming out and talking about that before they even start their farewell tour just think of the shock though they announced this while performing at gathering of the juggalos too on stage like during their performance mid-performance just announcing that to their crowd like yeah this is going to be like one of the last possible like last few times you guys might be able to see us after the farewell tour yeah i think that would certainly catch you off guard but i don't know that's one of those it was it surprised me when i saw it but i'm not as in-depth and as hardcore i guess you could say as some people would be so maybe there were some people that this didn't necessarily surprise so yeah we're gonna when they announce the farewell tour dates and they completely skip iowa again and <laughs> We're going to see if we can break the I, record of 12 hours of driving to Ohio. Let's see if we can break that record. I mean, the the thing here is, and we talked about this before we started recording this, is, okay, they're going to skip Iowa, but it'll probably be like an Omaha, a St. Paul, a Minneapolis, a Milwaukee. There's plenty of towns around that you don't have to drive 15 hours to go see them. It's not like music festivals where, like, you're driving – 13 hours to go to Ohio like there's not really anything that's similar in this general area so hopefully not that I don't like driving 13 hours to go see concerts but hopefully we can keep that drive to a minimum and I have one last thing before you guys can talk about your stuff while I look up more stuff the the incarceration fest announced and dropped their super fun app that has the schedule map of the grounds and all that jazz and they've started putting bands up and their time slots that they will be performing and there's a lot more bands they need to add but that's definitely working that way toward being finished and 
We also got our wristbands and parking pass in the mail the oh, other day. Oh, yeah, dude. So once well, it's September 8th hits, we'll be headed your way, Ohio. It's going to be fun. It's going to be 13 hours of the greatest driving in history. It's going to be good. So, so we are going to have to wait for a clown of the episode, and we're going to have to wait for some more fun news stories. So jumping right into sports, MLB released the postseason schedule as uh, the wild card games are going to be played October 5th and 6th. AL to be played on ESPN, NL to be played on TBS. Then jumping into the ALDS, it'll be uh, played October October 7th through the 14th five-game series there. The LCS series will be played 15th through the 24th. And then the World Series starting October 26th and could possibly go through November 3rd. It's bad news for Toronto. This is... I, I probably sound like a broken record, but man, I hate being in the East. This is a team that's seven games above 500, and they're still 12 games out of first place. Uh, it's it's a bit of a bummer out there as uh, Toronto. I mean, they haven't been playing great, but at least they're not Baltimore. So there is that uh, for that. And then looking through Central and elsewhere, not a whole lot's really changed. Uh, but I'm curious – Nick, what are you seeing for playoffs here? I mean, for me in the AL, Toronto's, I mean, they're there, but it's not exactly looking great at this point. Tampa's good. The Yankees have been playing hot. They've won 11 straight. What are you seeing right now in the AL uh, for playoffs, wild card, what have you? Uh, Personally, if you're going to really look at it, Tampa Bay has this pretty much has the American League on lock. I mean, they are one of the hottest teams right now, even though the Yankees have won 11 straight. Uh, looking at the Red Sox, they were having kind of a tussle with, I believe, the Indians tonight. Or they had the Twins. But, I mean, the Red Sox are hot. You really can't um, – you really kind of can't let them let them run away with the wild card. I think if you're looking at it, kind of the dark horse could be coming from the West. I seriously think that when you look at it, Houston and Oakland in the West would kind of be your dark horses to pull through. I mean, everybody with the Astros, no one likes to hear about them because of everything. <laughs> but the the American League West, I think, is one of those divisions that always has an interesting standpoint when it comes to the American League wild card. And to follow up with that, I mean, you look at the wild card standings now and the teams right there are Oakland a game and a half back, Seattle two and a half back, Toronto four and a half back. But it's really, I think, looking at it right now, is it's going to come down to that final wild card spot. Boston had is kind of scuffling here and there. Oakland has played really bad, losing eight of their last ten. But Seattle's kind of surging. Toronto's kind of floundering at four of their last ten. So. Maybe Seattle's the team to look out for in that West as uh, they kind of seem to be closing that gap down. And then looking NL-wise, that's, again, not exactly a bunch changing here. Atlanta leads the East. The Brewers lead the Central. And the uh, Giants lead the West over the Dodgers. But having said that, the Dodgers do have a comfortable 11-game lead uh, in the nl uh, wild card race another one that might just be looking at one wild card team here which at this point Cincinnati but San Diego's a half game back the Cardinals 
are right where you, if you're a Cardinals fan, you want to see them three and a half games back. That's a team that perpetually makes a surge with like two weeks to go, it seems like. So same question for you. What do you think of the NL right now? You have the Dodge or the uh, Giants, rather, Brewers and Braves leading the divisions. I'm going to go with we're not even in an even year and the Giants are actually on a surge. I mean, that's just that's just kind of a tough thing to tough thing to bite, especially being a National League fan as a Cub. And that season has just been <laughs> an absolute cluster. But I mean, looking at the Cardinals last kind of half of the months here. Uh, they'll close out August. They have the Reds at the end of August, going into the first weekend of September. The Pirates are coming up next after this game with the or after the series with Detroit. Then they have the Brewers, the Dodgers, and I mean, kind of looking down the list. I mean, they really do have a tough end of the year schedule to kind of help wrap up that wild card. And I mean, I think their biggest problem will be the Dodgers. That'll set them back a lot. Uh, the Brewers, they have three series with still the Cubs. They should be able to sweep through that. So I mean. I don't think the Cardinals will have any problem at least trying to keep their contention there. I think the team that you're really going to have to look at trying to run away with it is the Cincinnati Reds because their offense is getting hot right now. Joey Votto is hitting lights out. They have the Brewers right now. They've done three straight, or they've lost two straight to the Brewers. But I mean, still, a team like that who can hit, and you already have the Brewers on lock with the uh, on lock with the Central. I mean, that's just that's a combination for. For some good baseball there, if you're the Cincinnati Reds, trying to at least stay within that ranking and keep the Padres back. So I'm going to go back to something that's probably not great memories for you of the season, but kind of the final sell-off of the World Series team. What were your thoughts on that? I know Cubs fans were kind of mad, but as somebody, I guess, that is not a Cubs fan in myself, it kind of seems like it was the right time, maybe a little later than it probably should have been, like maybe selling a little earlier. But what were your thoughts on that at this, at, uh, during this season? I mean, during the season, it was really kind of hard. To, it's been hard to stomach. They have not been able to get on a hot streak. Uh, the Cubs have kind of, I think, after winning the World Series, the, co or the curse of the GOAT and the Black Cat and every single curse that the Cubs have faced, it's back. I mean, they managed to win one game. They'll manage to win two, and then they start a losing skit again. I mean, they beat the Reds twice um, the last time they played them, and then they lost three straight to Kansas City. They beat the Rockies twice, and then they lost again after winning on a walk-off earlier, or winning on a couple of home runs earlier today. They lost the Rockies 13-10, to 10, and I mean, the Cubs' ERA in the bullpen is just bad. And after giving away Kimbrell, uh, they picked up Hoyer, which was fine. They picked up Nick Madrigal from the White Sox. He's hurt with an ACL, so he's not going to get any playing time soon. You lost two of your biggest bats when it comes to Rizzo and it comes to Bryant. Everybody can argue Baez, but he has the highest chase rate in baseball. Personally, for me now, I think it's just the Cubs are looking to try to rebuild with some of their younger talent. And I think Patrick Wisdom is an absolutely fantastic start to that. He's been red hot this season after getting pulled up with the Cubs and getting pulled up back to the show. So, I mean... I personally think it was the time that it came to was probably the right time to kind of get rid of everybody. But at the same time, you look at the success that like Schwarber had after he went to the Nationals. You look at the success that Lester started having after he left. And I mean, Rizzo has been, I think it was 146 the last time I looked since he got traded and after his first two home runs. But they're still having success wherever they go. They're all good players. It's just it's really hard to see them leave. 
Yeah, I could uh, relate to that. Kind of uh, when Toronto made that playoff run and then Donaldson got dealt and then Bautista kind of just fell off the face of the earth after that. I, I can relate to having not nearly the success that the Cubs did winning the whole thing, but those couple of years with Toronto and then just watching everybody are like, uh, it's just kind of a bummer. I mean, it's the way that sports are that you're not going to have the same team typically, unless you're like the Patriots or some dynasty like that, that can just roll over whenever they want and whatever players they want. But it is kind of a bummer in that regard. And I think your biggest issue with the Blue Jays too was losing the pitching rotation that you guys had during that. Uh, well, that was the that thing run. though, that pitching rotation. I mean, it was good, but it wasn't great. And when you get, and when you play at teams like Kansas city, that have, you know, better pitching. Uh, that That's the part that frustrated me the most about that team was we, you could hit whatever you wanted. It just came down to pitching was just not up to par. And then David Price, geez, don't even get me started on that whole. <laughs> he was such a – it was great during the – it's kind of like I, I used the comparison with the Baltimore Ravens. Like they're good during the regular season. And then you get to the playoffs and it's like what the hell's going on? What Where did this team go? But, yeah, that's uh, – a tough one there, and that's a perfect transition to NFL preseason here. A couple of interesting starters being named, uh, at least now for quarterback one. Trevor Lawrence apparently will be the week one starter for Jacksonville. What are your thoughts there? Is this one you're throwing him into early, or do we think that he'll bounce around fine? Because I've seen the Bears start uh, young quarterbacks, and Granted, Chicago's not a great example because they haven't had a good quarterback in like the whole team history, but what are your thoughts with uh, starting Lawrence week one? Uh, personally, I think if you're Jacksonville, you're looking for kind of a clean start. So the idea of starting Trevor Lawrence as storied of a quarterback as he is at Clemson, winning just multiple awards, getting um, number one overall pick, I mean – it's. I think it's a good transition for Jacksonville on trying to get him started. The last two games he has played, he's played pretty decent. The one thing that Jacksonville really needs to do, and this is what happened with Travis Etienne as well, uh, former Clemson teammate, now turned Jaguar running back, he got out early with, um, with his ankle, and he had an ankle sprain, and now he's gone for the rest of the year, or at least it seems. So, I mean, trying to keep Trevor Lawrence healthy and keeping him out of pressure is going to be your biggest thing. He evades pressure very well. You've seen it at Clemson. Uh, you saw it in the game against the Saints. He was able to roll out of the pocket and try to keep himself healthy. But at the same time, it's just being able to do that and constantly making those decisions when you have such a faster pace offense that you're used to. I mean, playing football in the ACC is, is a little bit different than playing it in the SEC. The pass rushing is definitely different. And now he's getting that full almost SEC-like pass rush in the NFL. And I think having Garner Minshew as well as Trevor Lawrence, both of them can kind of build off of their storied histories as quarterbacks with Garner Minshew being from Washington state. But I personally, I think it's urban Meyer's best decision when looking at how the last part of the season went for Garner Minshew. So I think Trevor Lawrence is a good fit. He needs a running back to help him. And after losing ETN and not really having a line, it'll be interesting to see how his first couple of games go. So I've been asking people about this because it's interesting to me the different takes. Sticking with Jacksonville, and I'm sure that you can guess exactly what I'm about to ask, but, you know, Tim Tebow gets cut. 
What are your thoughts on that? I mean, he he looked good coming into the start of the preseason. He got into games and really didn't look great blocking in general. People are getting kind of upset that he came back and tried to steal a roster spot, if that's the viewpoint. But for me personally, I mean, I can't really fault him. He's trying to live the dream. He's trying to go play pro football. And, I mean, he looked like he was built for it, but it's a tough transition from quarterback to tight end in pro football. And and that's the thing that I think everybody needs to understand is at Denver, he had an okay career as a quarterback, but still it wasn't anything to be so awish about and everybody shouldn't be gawking over it. I mean, the guy is built. He's, he's big, he's strong. He's okay when it comes to speed, but at the same time, trying to make that transition this late in your game, that's not something that you can do. And the one thing that I found funny was the fact that Urban Meyer won a national championship with Tim Tebow and multiple SEC conference titles and then ends up having to cut him as a coach in the NFL. And Tim Tebow has tried everything. He's tried football. He's tried baseball. I mean, I don't know what sport he's going to try next or if he's just going <laughs> to kind of quit and let himself go. But, I mean, trying to make that transition, I feel like everybody had such high hopes for. And I don't really see... I don't really see Jacksonville's choice as being a bad one when you're trying to get a team back on track from being one in 15 last year and you were last in the AFC South and you have been for a while. So, I mean, I think Jacksonville really needs to start looking at how can we continue to get to the top of that division or at least try to top off a couple of teams before dealing with that Tennessee Titans offense. And then in another interesting week, one quarterback decision as of now for Denver it's Teddy Bridgewater, and I'm I'm kind of excited for Bridgewater. He was looking like he was going to be the starter for Minnesota a few years back when he had that injury that looked like it was going to derail his whole entire career. And he is going to be the starter in Denver. I mean, he's going to have an uphill battle with, you know, Kansas City, the Chargers. But it, I was just one of those that, hey, I'm pretty happy for the guy that you're going to at least be given the reins to start week one and see what you can do out in Denver. Being a Bronco fan, I think personally this might be the best decision. Drew Locke last year, I mean, the kid played the best that he could with what he got dealt with. I mean, the Broncos had to play a game entirely without a quarterback at one point. Uh, he got thrown into a full starting spot because the Broncos really didn't have a quarterback, and now they have two very good quarterbacks who can run an offense well. Um, they've scored 33 points against the Vikings, 30 against the Seahawks, which that's the first time I've seen the Broncos score 30 in almost two <laughs> years. So thank God for that. They have the Rams next, I think, which will be their toughest test in facing Matthew Stafford, former Lions quarterback as well. But I mean, looking at Bridgewater's decision-making and just being able to kind of stay a little bit more composed in the pocket, I think that's the best way that the Broncos can go. They have a lot of rebuilding on the offense. Uh, Bridgewater should be able to use Jerry Judy very well on that outside for the receiving edge. So I think for right now, it's a good pick Trevor or not Trevor Lawrence. Drew Locke will get a lot more time under center as well this season. But I think if you're going to start out Bridgewater, I think is your best choice just to kind of get Trevor or I keep saying Trevor Lawrence. (laughs) I'm thinking of a different tiger. Um, Uh. Drew Locke, I think getting him more snap time, at least in practice, getting back used to the offense. I think that's going to be your best bet. So I'm dying to know, I, and I know people are kind of split on this, but you, you say you, you're excited to see the Broncos doing their thing, scoring 30 in the preseason. Do you think that's going to translate to the regular season? 
Or is this going to be something that's going to be able to snowball them into the regular season? Or is are you of the opinion that the preseason doesn't mean jack squat other than setting uh, your rosters, and then the pre and then the regular season's just whatever you've got at the week one is going to be the thing? Or do you think you can snowball preseason to regular season? The Broncos have had a very tough time doing that especially over the last couple of years. It's kind of like the Cubs right now. After winning the Super Bowl, they've kind of hit a definite lull after losing Peyton Manning. Um, I think when you kind of look at the regular season schedule, the first three games, they should have no problem. You got the Giants, you got the Jaguars, and then you got the Jets, even though uh, they'll have to deal with uh, Zach Wilson as quarterback for the Jets. But I mean, you have, I think the biggest test will be on October 3rd, and that's when the Ravens come into mile high. And then you have the Steelers, and then you have the Raiders. So, I mean, those three games should be the kind of deciding factor of really how can the offense do with big-time defenses and how is Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke, depending on at what point the Broncos are at, how are they actually able to run their offense? Will they have kind of a set system? And will the defense be able to stay healthy? That's the biggest question. I think that's going to be – go ahead. I think that – because, I mean, they've only held – or they only have held their two preseason opponents to nine points, and the Broncos haven't been able to hold anybody for a while when it comes to – and kind of like you said, preseason doesn't really mean anything except setting up your line – or setting up your lineups. But I think the way that Denver has to look at it is, first, how can we win with a defense before we actually get the offense fully on track? And, I mean, I think that schedule, the way you kind of describe it, I mean, it's got to be encouraging as a Broncos fan that you get a few games into the season before you have, a like, a really big test uh, like the Ravens. I mean, I'm looking at teams like the Cowboys that get to start with Tampa Bay. That's not, that's not great, I mean, for somebody that's trying to uh, get things going week one. So you got kind of a built-in uh, ramp time before you really get to the hard teams, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, right out of the gate in weeks four and five. And I think that's also the thing that you have to look at for a couple more teams as well. I mean, Detroit, they are going to have a, an awkward year now without Matthew Stafford and the Rams as well. They've started out 0-2 and, and trying to look at their schedule. I mean, they have the Bears first when it comes to either Andy Dalton or Justin Fields. And so far it has been named that Andy Dalton is a starter for the Bears and I think that's the best choice they could have made. Amen, but I mean, the Rams, dude. The, the Rams need to get back on track as well. And the Bears, I think, have their set point uh, to let Fields kind of get his time and learn under somebody who's been in the league longer, which I think a lot of quarterbacks don't get the chance to do. I think especially in the last five years, it's really shown how they are unable to get the ball rolling unless they have a good mentor. So jumping football topics here. We're going college football now. We're going to be making all our picks coming up uh, down the line here. I think we'll probably do them next week uh, for pro football and see just how wrong we are. Maybe somebody will be right. It's not likely, but maybe. Uh, college football is uh, coming up. As a Nebraska fan that you are, you get Illinois week one. Uh, some other games of note, UCLA, Hawaii, as well as UTEP, New Mexico State, Connecticut, Fresno State, and Southern Utah and San Jose State. Things really get rolling next week for college football. But your uh, Nebraska team is in a little bit of trouble. As, uh, Frost, The Frost warning, also in some trouble as well. What exactly has been going on there? I'm sure that you've been keeping way closer tabs on any of that than I have. So... The investigation by the NCAA comes from footage and photographs that 
Um, people have shown and people have sent out that during the COVID times, when everything was kind of shut down and you could still have some practices and everything like that, technically coaches weren't supposed to be there. And if they were, it counts as a formal practice. I'm using air quotes while I talk, <laughs> yes. But the fact of the matter remains is that Scott Frost was in in person for these player-ran practices, and so it counts as formal practice time. So the NCAA is investigating on whether or not it was actually um, bending rules or breaking them, so on and so forth, what have you. And I mean, the one thing that I have to kind of mention, and this is not defending Scott Frost in <laughs> Nebraska, and like of being a band or like just being on that side of it, mm -hmm. putting bias aside. Are we sure that no other teams have been doing this? I well, mean, the other teams at, were smart enough not to get caught and get oh, their picture taken. <laughs> A hundred percent. And I, I totally get that. But I mean, still, there there are no ways around. You're saying that Nick Saban and Alabama are not constantly doing this year in. Year so out. But, what, uh, sorry to interject here, but I'm curious. So he has to be physically on the field. So like if you were to like video call in and still like run practice or help run practice, does that count too? Or is Frost in a bind since he was physically on the field with everybody? He's more in the bind that he was physically on the field with everybody, mm. just sitting there and watching. And he has released statements um, as of a few days ago saying that they will give everything to the NCAA. Um, there was sightings from unidentified sources that basically said or sent in significant video footage of Frost and the other assistants there. And I mean... They're kind of in some deep water, but I, I think that Scott Frost will be on the sideline in Champaign, Illinois, for the opening kickoff this weekend. And so, jumping right into that game, what are your thoughts on uh, fight taking on the Fighting Illini to start off the, uh, the Big Ten uh, play here for the Cornhuskers? Illinois has been giving Nebraska some trouble in the past, and I mean, Nebraska's just been in... in trouble for a while now and I think it's more so the fact that we don't have a set offense and some of the guys hadn't been buying into the system personally on my opinion and I they've they've kind of hit a spot of where they need to redefine themselves as an offense Adrian Martinez is going to be the starting quarterback this Saturday coming up against the Illini I think that he should be having his best season yet he's apparently been looking stronger from the footage that I've seen he's been making some better decisions throwing the ball in the scrimmages that they have they have seen. But I think the one thing that comes with Nebraska is ball security. You can't have turnovers. And Nebraska has been just an absolute cluster when it comes to you get a you get a fumble, you get an interception. Like Nebraska's <laughs> offense has just been like Oprah handing that out. And the defense has been kind of lackadaisical as well. Coverages have been blown. Um, deep ball threats are the biggest factor when it comes to anybody playing Nebraska. I mean, you can, as soon as you run the ball, they throw the ball straight down the field on the next two plays, and that's where Nebraska's coverage gets broken up. So, I mean, the defense right now got the black shirts. I think it's a little early, on my opinion. I think they should have waited for the first game. But um, it, it'll be interesting to see which Nebraska team actually comes out. Personally, I think the opening half of the schedule uh after that they have the fordham rams which i have not heard anything about they've got <laughs> buffalo um buffalo's big running back got drafted so we're we're out of one weapon there and then they have to deal with the number two team in the country the 
soon to be SEC Oklahoma Sooners. So it'll be an interesting kind of year. Um, it'll be cool to see that matchup come back to a former Big 12 opponent. But I think Illinois will be a it'll be a good opening test. And then I got a follow up. I got a couple of follow ups here for this schedule. Nebraska and Oklahoma seem to be doing a little bit of a tango of whether they really wanted to do it. So as a Nebraska fan, were you excited when this game came out? Or is this one of those games that you look at and you go, oh, boy, we're going to get shelled in this game and Oklahoma's going to have a field day and just run away with it? What were your thoughts when that matchup first came out? Personally, I love the fact that we're bringing this back. I want Nebraska-Colorado. I want Nebraska-Texas. I want a couple more Big 12 opponents because I think that I want Nebraska and Miami to keep continuing. I wasn't born for the biggest half of those rivalries, but I was around for when the Big 12 was still kind of running the table a little bit on some teams. And Oklahoma and Nebraska, early 2000s, you get um, part of the Frank Solich and you get the Bill Callahan era. I mean, even when Bo Pelini was still there for a couple of years in the Big 12, I mean, that was more so Nebraska football than what that is now. The only bad part is, is that Oklahoma still has Spencer Rattler and Lincoln Riley is one of the best at producing quarterbacks. And we've seen that so far with the three that are in the NFL right now when it comes to Jalen Hurts, uh, Kyler Murray, and then, lo and behold, Baker Mayfield himself, the quarterback of the Browns. But, I mean, Oklahoma is just one of those teams where it's they're scary good every single year. They produce great wide receivers. They produce great quarterbacks. So, And it's going to be in Oklahoma. So that's going <laughs> to be, I think, the downfall for Nebraska is if your offense can stay on track and you can cover the receivers, you're going to be okay. But the biggest factor is Oklahoma is Oklahoma. And then jumping down the rest of the schedule, I'll probably preview this a little bit more when we go through our picks for who's going to do well in the NFL. But I'm just curious, again, for Nebraska, of going through the Big Ten schedule, you've got Iowa at home, you're at, Nebra- or at Nebraska, at Wisconsin, you've got o- Ohio State at home, then you're at Minnesota, uh, Northwestern's probably going to sneak up and beat a couple of uh, good teams in the Big Ten. What are your thoughts overall on the Big Ten uh, schedule for the Cornhuskers? Northwestern always sneaks up. That's going to be one of those scary games where Nebraska is just going to play bad. They do it. They've done it the last four <laughs> years. They've played Northwestern. Iowa does turnovers. the same thing. And Iowa rears its ugly head every single year in the hero game. Um, all I can say is I'm happy that Ohio State, Northwestern, and Iowa are at home in Lincoln. It's going to be a packed house no matter where that game is at. Um, Nebraska fans love to travel and I think Wisconsin and Ohio state will be the two biggest kind of, I want to say questionable teams in the big 10, just because Ohio state no longer has Justin Fields, but CJ Stroud will be the starting quarterback for that. I, I couldn't remember seeing that on ESPN, so I had to look it up, but CJ Stroud will get under center for Ohio state. Um, he doesn't have any stats to his name besides one rush, and that, that was for 48 yards, and it was a touchdown. So, I mean, he's he's going to be kind of the one to see if he can take over Justin Fields' shoes. And then the other thing is, is Wisconsin going to have a running back? That's another good question there. I, I don't know. This whole Big Ten uh, schedule for Nebraska, I mean, it seems like your bigger games, you're going to get the favorable home games. But I don't know, that road game against Wisconsin, that could be a, 
a big one towards the end of the year. If Nebraska's, you know, playing well enough to be in uh, Big Ten title talks, I don't see that happening. But, I mean, anything's possible. So maybe that Wisconsin game down the uh, stretch will be a big one, too, for Nebraska. It should be interesting to see how they play. I think before that test, the biggest threat will be Northwestern and also Minnesota. Um, P.J. Fleck and the Golden Gophers, uh, I had a couple of roommates from Minnesota. We always treated that game like a uh, like a holiday. I mean, it was always fun to watch with them. We would go back and forth trash-talking each other. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we were still roommates and still teammates. But um, Nebraska has to understand that the Big Ten schedule, the way that they end out, is one of the toughest in the conference at the moment when you have three ranked teams at the end you have northwestern sitting in the middle after oklahoma so i mean they have one of the toughest big 10 schedules to come out of the conference so far so uh, that is some some early talk about college football kind of flipping it back to a couple of things i forgot to mention in the mlb yadier molina will uh, apparently be wrapping her up 2022 will be his final season that kind of surprised me i just kind of figured that he was gonna just play till his arm fell off basically because he's been in the league so long and then another guy that's been in the league a long time miguel cabrera hit his 500th home run against you guessed it my toronto blue jays hey at least they're now part of history i guess not necessarily on the right side of it but hey somebody had to be the 500th home run so when Miguel Cabrera hit that, the cool thing about that is is he was 28th on the 500 list, but he was ninth on the list of hitting 500 with a 300 average, um, just above Willie Mays, but he was on a great list for that as well. So um, props to Miguel Cabrera, and he will probably be sticking around. He's approaching 3,000 hits as well. Yeah, I believe that's... he has almost, I think it's almost in single digits now, I want to say. And then the fun part about that 500 home run club is I don't know I don't have the exact number but I think the next closest home run is like 337. So it's going to be a while before and I think it's like Nelson Cruz has like 337 or something. He's at 400 actually. I think oh, is he like that high? Yeah. Nelson oh, Cruz so. is there um and then I forget who's next on that list and then obviously I mean we're seeing Ronald Acuña trying to do his best to keep approaching that and I mean the younger stars are working up there and the ball is traveling I mean I wouldn't ex- I wouldn't doubt seeing Shohei Otani on the list at the end of the yep. season with 125 I mean good lord he is just slugging the absolute crap out of the ball and I mean still but looking back at um the Yachty thing wanted to mention that I mean that's one of the best catchers in baseball and him and Adam Wainwright are now the most or they're approaching the most games caught between a catcher and a pitcher as a career duo and a battery. Um, I think I forget who holds the first place on that, but they're approaching that as well. So, I mean, Yadier Molina has got one more year left in him. And I think he's just, I think it is his time to be done. He has done such historic things for the Cardinals. Um, And I think it was uh, the Brewers, Guy stole second base and then took the bag with him. You might as well because you're like one of the few that's actually been able to steal against him. I think it was Wong. Wasn't yeah, I it? think it was his former teammate. Yeah, I think Colton yeah, Wong Colton did Wong. it. And I mean, every time you steal a base against Molina, it's like there's no chance you're going to get it. So the fact someone actually did, I mean, I, it's it's amazing to me that Molina's as as old as he is, as deep into his career as he is, and he still throws people out like it's nothing. 
Like he it's just, his job. It's he what just, he gets paid to do, but he he couldn't even get paid. Like he would accept no pay for it. He just loves doing yeah. it. He's a guy that loves to light up the stands. Um, he's had electric moments as a Cardinal, and it, it's going to be really sad to see him leave. I mean, I feel like he's definitely going into the organization somewhere, though, as you know. I don't really know what exactly he would be doing, but I feel like it's it, he's not going to be done done with baseball. I mean, I'm sure that's an obvious thing to say, but like I feel like he's going back into the Cardinals organization somewhere and because uh, that's certainly a giant asset for the uh, Cardinals to be having. But yeah, he's uh, apparently winding her down in 2022, so we'll see. It's always interesting when players announce that the year before uh, they're done so we're going to slide it back over to RC. We talked some sports, giving him some time to look up some stuff and things over there. It's, uh, what do you have over there for us? I know we still have the clown of the episode floating around out there and some other uh, news items possibly as well. I think we need to talk about the, our friends over at Rays and tell, them what, tell the <laughs> listeners what we got in the box. Well... Let me tell you all about it. We got a couple of stickers. I gave you a sticker. You got Super a fancy cool. fancy bracelet thing. Um, I'm trying to turn and not punch the mic off its stand right now. <laughs> it's a struggle. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, you get a fancy, basically, a, you get a T-shirt. I'm going through the – you get a, a sweet koozie, demand more. Again, that code word COVERT20 for 15% off your raise energy order. Uh, and then you have a couple of interesting uh, a sleep, performance sleep aid thing, Cinnamon Swirl. These are brand new. I got the, uh, the email about them that these are brand new items, so that's cool. And then uh, some pre-workout. Never done a pre-workout, but I'm going to try it now. And then on top of the sour gummies, delicious flavor, by the way. I knew, I knew in my heart that was the flavor for me. There's Galaxy Burst. There's the one I think you're going to like is Baja Lime. And then uh, the final one, uh, Voodoo. Pretty sweet flavors. And uh, the uh, wrapping for these, the uh, the can appearances, it's pretty cool too. So I also got to give talk about the box. Just the box alone and is awesome. And it's an on-the-go Raise Energy sour gummy packet in here. So there's a 95% chance I will mix that wrong and I will make it taste bad, but it's uh, the drink itself is pretty good. And then uh, they send you a box in a box. So, Oh, it's like Christmas. Yeah, so you open up one box and it's just another box that's smashed inside of it. But, yeah, it's uh, pretty cool. Well, I guess we'll see where it goes as uh, apparently Ray's is really high uh, in the GNC stores and all that. Like they're they're uh, pretty high uh, selling things. So yeah, it's well, pretty boys, cool. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, it sounds like it's going to be going with you on that 13 hour drive. You guys are going to have to that. Make that is huh? right. We're going to have to make it. We're going to be drinking Ray's. We're going to be we're going to have to be that that first day. I think we're leaving at five o'clock at night and driving nine hours to our first stop. Oh yeah. Uh, God bless poor planning. <laughs> God bless just impulses. <laughs> that too. So I found an interesting story in the music world again. So the naked nude baby on the Nevermind Nirvana album, oh the guy that's on the cover 
after recreating that iconic like cover like multiple times is now deciding to sue the band for traumatizing like like nude being nude is like apparently traumatizing him even though it's like he's recreated the cover multiple times i I don't get it personally i think i mean if you're gonna try to do that why wouldn't you have done it sooner yeah that that makes like if you're i mean it's this is where stuff rears its ugly head on you you wait till you wait till now and i mean this is this is one of those things where i mean if he was uncomfortable with it you gotta go you gotta go farther back and do it when you you had the opportunity when they first started kind of making the covers like how uncomfortable is this guy really because i'm looking at money bags baby i'm looking at the recreation (laughs) pictures of it if you're really uncomfortable with it why did you make the recreation of it though i I don't i'm telling you he's chasing money bags dude that's that's just one of those horrible things of yeah, you, you kind of sit for it long enough, and then people really start figuring out who you are, and then it's like, well, I don't really want to be known as that, so we might as well try to change it. Good luck. So yeah, good luck with that. You're he might not win that one. I doubt he will win, and I'd be more surprised if he did. So we got the clown of the episode. This one goes back to 2014. Dean Smith was 27 and an aspiring bank robber. He wore a terrible disguise of sunglasses and socks over his shoes and gave the cashier his full name and address a half hour before he attempted to hold the branch up. Wait, 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 wait. Socks over his shoes? Yes. He wore Is sunglasses. that exactly what I think? You're just literally putting your sock? Why? Because he's a clown. <laughs> it's the clown of the episode, Terry. But uh, wait, I think we got we to gotta ask the question. Did he, did he put... The left sock on first or the right sock on first? <laughs> this completely changes everything. This completely changes it. Because either way, I mean, yes, he is a clown, but it, it now comes to how much of a clown is he? <laughs> I like After the making sun- a poor decision. I love the sunglasses, though. I mean, that totally is a great disguise. I thought this was going to be one of those sunglasses with the nose and the mustache <laughs> that are all attached on one. Because as soon as you said that, I'm like, oh, this is too good. But yeah, it socks over the shoes. That's and it, oh, it also that's smart. Get, it gets worse. He returned in the disguise, demanded money, and the cashier refused him. And then wait, he wait, ended wait, wait, up wait, wait, leaving. Wait, 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 wait. So he did this. He went to the bank like an hour and a half before in his disguise. Yes. And then came back wearing the same thing. Yep. Man. And the cashier refused him too. I love those stories where the cashier's like, yeah, no, sorry, dude. Like, I've got your name. We already know who you are. We're not giving you money. Sorry. Sorry, Haas. And very shortly after being caught, he admitted he had been very stupid and was jailed for two and a half years for attempted robbery and carrying a bladed weapon. Oh, he tried to rob the bank with a knife. <laughs> so there's the Dude, that's, the- that's just. Oh, man. That's- I love how he goes. I admit that I am, I am dumb. <laughs> you you should have admitted that when you decided I'm gonna put socks over my shoes with sunglasses on them. I, I just you I I feel like I don't know maybe I'm just too like rational here. But like if I would have walked into that bank and, and first of all looking like a dumbass clown in my socks <laughs> over my shoes, what are we doing? But like you go in and you do whatever he did, scout the building on the on the walk back or the car ride back or whatever 
wherever he went after that, you got to like sit down and think, what the hell am I doing? Like, there's no way this is going to work. I've got a switchblade knife that I'm going to threaten the teller with. They already know who I am because I told them my name. Like, maybe try a different bank. Like, don't go back to the same one you literally just told the name to. I mean, maybe that's just me. I mean, maybe you guys see this plan and go, oh, this was foolproof. He just hit, <laughs> he just hit the bank on a bad day. But to me, I mean, when you say that you're going with the name, you give them the name. That's kind of like, oh, I just screwed this up. Time to go somewhere else. I mean, personally, at least change your disguise. Like you walk or in, don't wear, wear it. Yeah. Or just don't wear it. Like just go in completely different. I mean, you're still going to have the name and everybody's going to know who you are, but at least try something different. Don't go in with the same suspect description. My gosh. I mean, he would have been better off literally going in just to his regular self and then going in with what I thought you were going to say with the sunglasses, the nose and the mustache. That would have been a better disguise than what he did. And I got one more story. Back to the music world of things. Pop Evil is back after nine long days. Hell yeah, baby! And the lead singer is officially tested negative for COVID-19. And they start back this Friday at Virginia Beach, Florida. So I've got to know, how many tests over those nine days did he take? Is this something he was taking a daily test? Because as I recall, I think he was symptomatic. Yes. At least that's what it seemed like. So it's interesting to me because everybody's COVID protocols seem to be completely different. Like, I don't think we have like one blanket thing we're supposed to do now. So it's interesting whether he failed like eight COVID tests before finally passing this last one or what exactly happened there. But yeah, it was, we got to see him the night before they got pulled off tour and you could tell they were off. Like we said, last episode, mm -hmm. Still a solid performance. Well, that's the thing that impresses me about him. That was my first time seeing him. And for uh, they were really good. Like I said last episode, well, they were really good. Don't get me wrong. But you, even as somebody that had never seen him, you could tell there was something not quite kosher, not quite uh, right with him. But good to, good to hear he's back on the uh, recovery trail. Speaking of which, have we heard anything Corey Taylor-wise? Because I know he was severely under the weather from what uh he said earlier i don't know if he's made any sort of recovery or from not from the posts i've seen he says he's doing way better he wished his friends family and people that reached out to him and said thanks for giving him well wishes and then he's on the road to recovery and ready for the concerts that lay ahead here in september there you go he's gonna be rocking with two iowa boys in ohio it's gonna be a hoot oh yeah that that's that's it over that's it over there we got a couple of those so well i'm gonna dive into one that's uh it's we might have to put an explicit thing on the podcast for this but tiktok i or not tiktok geez tiktok's coming up that's a whole thing too but only fans has officially uh anything that's essentially pornographic and whatnot they're yanking it out in october so that's going to be an interesting one there. And it sounds to me from what I've read that it's the credit card companies that are kind of pressuring them into being like, take this content down. But that's, it's kind of like uh, when, oh, what's that? Oh, Tumblr. When Tumblr took down all their 
stuff like that. It's like 80% of what they're doing and all the money that's going through. So it's going to be interesting to see if OnlyFans is still a thing after October. I mean, I'm sure it will be, but will it be as big as it was? Oh, yeah, it'll it'll still be big. There, there are still people selling pictures of their feet. Well, I was going to say, that's the... <laughs> that's the uh, Gross. <laughs> that's the thing, though. I, I That's a good point. I, gross point, but a good point. Of, <laughs> um, they're still letting the... I don't know how they described it, but the, the it's more like targeting the videos than the pictures themselves. So I guess you're right in the point that there will be still some things being sold out there, but I, I guess I don't know how much of that is going to be knocked down with the videos and whatever they deem too explicit being taken off in October. Oh, just get the tick, just get the TikTok uh, board members on it. I mean, every it's it's funny how many content creators on TikTok are just like constantly saying this video got taken down and I am wearing a crop top. Oh and pants. God, like yeah. I'm wearing crop top and leggings yep. and my video gets taken down. It's like, okay, well, here's here's your solution, OnlyFans. Get the TikTok. <laughs> just get the algorithm. Put it on there. Uh, oh, nope. Can't do it. I think the funniest part about that is the fact that there's guys on there with no shirts and short shorts and ne- algorithm never takes those down. But when that it comes to... Tony guy. Two turnt Tony is literally doing all of this wacky stuff, and it's so dumb. But yet he is constantly shirtless in his underwear, and he's not getting taken down. But yet I you mean, show a, if you're a female and show like three inches of shoulder, boom, your stuff's down. It, it TikTok, I, I will say that kind of is another great transition into something I'm talking about. Uh, I just got TikTok. You want to follow it? It's the Covert Show. I didn't get a personal one because I didn't know how long I was going to have TikTok. But my goodness, there is, it is amazing. It is the greatest time waster in history. I swear. You can, you can, you can sit down at like eight o'clock and you look over at the clock and it's felt like five minutes and it's like 1030. I mean, you literally can spend hours on this thing and there. There's such a wide range of content on there, and it is uh, it is certainly interesting, and it's I, some of it's good. I mean, it, it does get a lot of laughs, but oh, it's funny. And, and I I'll swear, apologize. go ahead. I'll apologize to my roommate for this, but he lost <laughs> his phone at one point, and he loves TikTok. He at one point literally pulled up his computer to use it as his phone, and he goes, I wonder if I can log on to TikTok.com. I said, oh, my God, you have a problem. Sure enough, he found TikTok. Yeah, he found TikTok.com and just started watching TikToks on his laptop and would spend hours doing it. I'm like, "I, I can barely, I can go 30 minutes and I'd be fine of just if I'm that bored out of my day. And I watch it before I go to bed. Like, when I go to bed tonight, I'm going to be sitting there. I'm going to be scrolling through at least, like, five, six. I love watching some of the MLB The Show TikToks mm-hmm. and just all those content creators. But, I mean, it is it is one of the biggest time wasters, I think, in, in history as a social media app. And it's funny. I was watching a different podcast and uh, they because they put their podcast on YouTube. And I, it's got to be one of my all-time favorite quotes and it's somebody, I don't know, probably 20, 21, 22. 
and the comment is, oh, guys, I was watching TikTok, and I looked at all these sports videos, and then I closed out of the app and came back, and oh, you wouldn't believe it. My timeline was just chock full of sports videos, and you're like, how the hell do we not know the algorithm's a thing? Like, doesn't everybody oh, yeah. know that everything's curated and everything's targeted to you and like i guess i just thought that was common knowledge but there's some people out there that it's a revolutionary thing that their stuff is more specific to what they watch so uh, i guess tiktok is a great time waster and it kind of shows kind of how stupid we are too to a certain degree of like I, i thought everybody knew the algorithm was a thing Oh, it's it's surprising to see how many people don't. And at the same time, it's surprising just to see how many people like don't actually understand how much they watch certain content. Yeah, that's true, too. And then the whole, oh, they're not selling me. What are we doing? How it's it's free. Like these companies aren't just giving you this platform to put your ridiculous, stupid stuff on for free like there's obviously an end game here for them so yeah yeah people are amazing and speaking of amazing tiktoks i'm i'm sure if you're you're on tiktok aren't you yes i i am all right so i'm sure you've seen this but it's called the milk crate challenge and so for those that aren't familiar with it it's exactly what it sounds you you uh basically make a pyramid with uh milk crates you stack them up And so you raise to the top on seven steps and then you come back down. I'll tell you what, that is, there's been some people that have managed to get it done, but that might be one of the, I don't want to say best trends and make it sound like people maiming themselves is a good thing. But when it comes to people that do this and just get completely destroyed on it, this trend really does that. I mean, they get welts from landing on the uh, milk crates and your chances of, uh, Oh, I got the belches. Jeez, that Ray's energy is catching up to me. <laughs> Tastes good giving me the belches, though. Um, boy, when you get to, the, like, the first three, I think the first three or four people can do. But once you get to, like, the almost top and then the top, it's a bad time. And that's a long way to fall. So that's just yeah. one of those trends that you're like, I mean, it makes for good entertainment, I guess. But I will say I will not be trying it at home. That's all I can say on the matter of that, but it is very funny to see. Conan O'Brien apparently tweeted at the FDA, like, can you uh, recommend that we do this or not? And they're like, no, but you should drink milk, and you should take those crates back to wherever you got them. Like, stop maiming yourself on milk crates, please. Please, so. please recycle and don't use our projects for just <laughs> belligerous intent. Thank you. So, yeah, it's uh, I would not partake either because i am just uncoordinated and i don't really feel like cracking a rib or getting a welt on my side when i land on five milk crates not a good can time. we please for this just for a marketing scheme can we please bring back the got milk posters with this <laughs> yeah is just, that is that a you thing? just gotta take the picture of them like as the like milk crates are like wobbling and they like fall down like as they're in the air of falling down got milk this might be the greatest scheme i've ever heard Keep this trend going. On an off note, did you hear about the uh, supposed trade between the Browns and the Bears for um, Hicks for Odell Beckham Jr.? There's no way. There's no shot. 
the Browns aren't getting rid of Odell Beckham Jr. And I, the Bears getting rid of Hicks on defense doesn't really seem likely either. I mean, I think the Bears offensively are in a pretty decent spot. I mean, I think Dalton's, I, I don't really know what to think there. But that would be, that doesn't really sound like a trade either team would want. Like, I mean, Odell's great, and that's dandy, but I don't know that I want to give up part of the Bear defense for him. And I'm not sure the Browns want to give up that offense with Mayfield. I mean, that seems like they a... Just, they just made it back into playoff contention. You think they're going to give it up? Absolutely hell no. So, yeah, I mean... But Beckham was only, like, decent during the, like, last stretch of the season, though. He wasn't really, like... He's a huge... I mean, unless the Browns are just selling out to make their defense better. I mean, you're not going to score 40 points against the AFC North like they did in the playoffs. And, like, I guess they did do it against Baltimore in the regular season. Or maybe that was a couple years back. But, yeah, I'm intrigued to see if that... So, what's the the source on that? Is that just... uh, fake nfl trades.com or is that an actual trade site there it's just a random sports site that came up that's about the like based on the brown stuff so nah i'm not that's a that's a bunch of hocus i'm not, I'm not buying it either i mean Un- until i see something that says there are rumors about it like from actual stuff <laughs> i i think you guys are in the clear on that we could be wrong I just and, don't. And RC over there could be just absolutely just spitting facts, but I, yeah, I don't when see we, that happen. When we come back next week, we're probably going to owe an apology with Odell Beckham Jr.'s on Chicago, but it just. That trade doesn't make sense to me for either team. I mean, the Bears are a defensive minded team. Why you'd give up Hicks? And like I said, the Browns, and like you said, Nick, the Browns are finally relevant in the NFL and getting back to the playoffs. That seems like a big piece to move, but. Who knows? Maybe they will uh, move them, and uh, we'll have to wait and see. What's so funny over there? Uh, yeah, it's, that's definitely not podcast stuff here that I'm laughing at. <laughs> <laughs> he's on. It's TikTok. Nah, he that's not busted. <laughs> he's got exactly. He was on TikTok as long as he was on Pokemon Go. He was probably on TikTok longer actually, because Pokemon Go lasted 25 minutes. Pokemon Go is lame. I will. I mean, I was trying not to talk about it in the podcast because I haven't played it. But I mean, it was fun for like the first two and a half, three weeks. But since then, it's been like I've been playing it less and less. Probably should just delete the app so they stop tracking me on the app. But what are you gonna do? Maybe it'll become. Maybe I'll get back into it. But there'll be a nostalgia feel that'll kick in, and you'll say. Yeah, I got to walk through somebody's backyard, go off a cliff, and go deep down to the bottom of the ocean. I need this Articuno. That's right. That's that's, exa- that's exactly what's going to happen. I, I The thing was, the battles weren't fun. I probably didn't play the game the way it was supposed to be played, but the battle, well, I was like 20 and 45 in battles. Like, when you get your ass handed to you that much, over the course of 65 games that just ceases to be fun. So yeah, I was part of it is I just sucked. I mean, it depends on who you have as a, as some, as you're starting six, but I mean, yeah, I, I personally, I got into it just because it was kind of fun to get out walking 
and like doing that. And I mean, there were days where I would honestly walk about like almost 10 miles and just wow, really face- getting after it. Uh, yeah. I had eggs to hatch, man. I had incubators to free up. I was getting Pokemon left and right. And this was when Gen 1 was out. I barely Ooh. even played when Gen 2 started to come out. Now there's like 800 Pokemon out there on this game. I think Pokemon will be one of those franchises that will constantly forever just live. And Ash Ketchum will remain a small child. Uh, The thing is, I just... We're getting to a point where Pokemon is starting to recycle Pokemon... uh, The names are so familiar now. They're just like switching it to one letter in the name. Well, that's there's like Mudkip, and there's a brand new one that's like Mudkip, except they like chopped off the like thin thing on the back of his head, and then like changed like two letters in the name. And I'm like, I mean, I feel like I'm just a nostalgic old man. It's like go back to Gen One. We don't need 850 of these things. You know what? I say instead of Pokemon, can we throw it back to Digimon? Did anybody watch Digimon? Digimon, boo! Not a fan. I, I, I liked it as a kid. I mean, that might have just been my my kind of like late night fix as a kid, but I liked Digimon. And then what was it? There was uh, Bakugan or whatever. Oh, it was. is that the one that has the like the, the like plastic ball things you roll and they turn into like uh, fighter yeah, things? You, yeah, you, you throw it down and it rolls on the card and you can never get it to roll on the card right and it would always roll off and then. You, you touch it wrong and it breaks because all those little tiny metal springs. Like, oh my I, goodness. I, the- I never played it, but those look sweet. And though that, I don't know why this is like what pops into my head, but the first thing I think of of things that don't work right are hex bugs. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it might just be the fact this is 1230, but I don't know. Hex bugs just popped into my mind as things of like, they should be cool. Like you can run them on tracks and you can do all this stuff with them, but it always just seems like they go like two inches and then kick over to the side and that's it. Oh yeah. Or like, as soon as you think you got them on the track, they'll go all the way to the other side. And then it's like, wait, hold on. I lost it somewhere. And then it's bumping into a wall and it never <laughs> wants to move. Yeah. That's you- like, that you the get them going room. where they'll just the, like run into the wall for five minutes and you're like, dude, this thing's supposed to like turn and do stuff, not just run into the wall. The creator of Roomba finally got it right. Maybe Hexbug should come back and just ask Roomba what they did. You heard it here first. Hexbugs are going to be coming back. I haven't seen one in stores for years. I don't even think I've seen one in, in any. None of my cousins ever had them as kids. I sure as hell never had him as a kid, but like I have never seen, or I haven't seen a hex bug in like just a minute. They've been gone off the face of the planet, and I think everybody has either thrown them away or they're still bumping into walls and stuff. <laughs> All right, I, I'm googling it because I oh, it's got hexbug.com as a thing. These are this is still a website. No. New products for 2021. Oh, man. What? Here no comes way. some irresponsible buying. There's a <laughs> Hex Mods Pro Series Elite Raceway for $89.99. Wow, they are breaking the bank. There's Real Bug Nano 5-pack for... Oh, they look... Wow, they actually do look like bugs now instead of just like robotic-like things. $24.99. Jeez. All right, I, I don't remember them being this expensive. 
I gotta look this up. They, I love how I the video of this has them racing on the track. Like this is the sweetest thing, and it's actually gonna work. And we all know that's that's baloney. Oh, so the original nanos, there's a four pack or no, a five pack of them for nineteen ninety nine, and they're in stock. Oh man, They've been, those batteries are probably worn out. <laughs> that and they like made these... you buy like the dumbest battery size for them too. Like, oh yeah, it was the like only place you can circles. get them is from Hexbugs. Like you yeah. can't go buy them in a Kmart or a Walmart. Oh, oh man. my goodness. I'm just, I'm on the site now just looking at all of this. You can get the Hexbug Space, the cosmic, like, little Coliseum thing for $50. That, these Santa, prices I know what I want are for my Christmas high. List. Yeah, there you go. You might as well start ordering it now, and you might get it by December. <laughs> I'm going to get it by December of 2025 at this point. <laughs> oh, man. Well, RC, you got quiet. You don't like hex bugs over there. I know. I know for a fact that you had hex bugs. I had the lame slug one that didn't do anything. Like that when it tried to move, it stayed in one spot. Well, that's the thing that was sucky about them too. Is like outside of the little nano things that like vibrated and like went on their side and kicked themselves in circles. Like anything you spent more than fifteen bucks on sucked. They didn't go anywhere. <laughs> They were too slippery for hard surfaces, so they'd sit there and, like, just slide. And then, like, you put them on another surface, and, yeah. But now that we've spent 20 bucks on hex bugs during the show. Not a sponsor yet. I'm going directly to hexbugs.com, and I'm emailing their support staff. We need to to be dealing with hex bugs. Oh man! Send me, send me a fifty dollars space coliseum now. You're damn right, fifty fifty dollar coliseum. Send me some of those sweet original hex bugs, a five pack for nineteen ninety nine. Wow, the, uh, the the things podcasts make you remember. That is pretty sweet. So, do you have anything to add over there, RC, for the uh, the good of the community, other than you hate hex bugs and don't want to talk about them? I think we need to talk one more time about Ray's energy. And all right, talk about it, dude. There you go. It's out of all the like energy drinks I've tried, this one's like I don't know. It's giving you a punch of energy. I just feel it. I feel it surging there, buddy. Well, I mean, again, that code word covert twenty fifteen percent off. I mean, it's pretty sweet deal. Man, the stuff I got reasonably enough priced. I, I this will be. Whenever I find a GNC store, I don't know. I think we looked it up, and the closest one's like Sioux City. So, like, I just want to go into a GNC. I mean, I've been working out. I'm not the giant gym bro that, like, throws the the bars and stuff and grunts and all that. But, like, I've never been in a GNC because normally I see that big bucket of powder, and I'm like, what are we doing? Why do you need this 15-pound bucket of powder? I've so, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to going to a GNC. It's a little bit weird for me to say that, but there you go. Jim Rat John Colbert coming through. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Not really. Uh, I, I do think it would be funny to go in there one day with my headphones on and go back and start, like, lifting my very light weights that I lift and just start grunting and throwing everything around and see if, if somebody gets mad or if that's just, like, because I've heard other people doing it. So I'm is that just like the the acceptable thing to do is just throw the stuff around and grunt like 
I don't know what you're grunting like, but <laughs> it's, it's think of think of your tennis grunt and add weight. <laughs> think of tennis and add weights, and you're good. Oh man, that is uh, pretty good. So there you go. You shouted out Rays again. I mean, I'm on board. This uh, sour gummies, it's the perfect flavor. I mean, we got three more. We're going through in the upcoming episodes. So you said it was a. It was a punch. The after flavor was a punch. So. A nice sour punch. A nice sour punch. There it is. One more time, Cover 20, 15% off your raise order. As, uh, that's pretty sweet. We're 10 episodes in, and we've got that going. So, hey, you know, you got to start somewhere, and raise energy is where we are starting. Does anybody else have anything for the good of the old podcast here, episode number 10? If not, a... Uh, might be winding her down for next wednesday we're bringing on our good buddy damien to chat for a little bit and there you go that'll be fun all right breaking news with a new uh new guest there is uh i'm sure we're gonna have nick on at some point next week too we got to get our football picks going we're gonna tell us how nebraska is gonna win the national championship and they're gonna blow out (laughs) oklahoma by 50 all this good stuff and I can brag up how Colorado is going to just get annihilated week after week after week. They've got like the eighth toughest schedule in college football. It's going to be bad. But, hey, you know, maybe the Hawkeyes will do something this year. And, you know, there's there's always that outside chance Iowa State makes another run at the uh, Big 12 So before the Big 12 disintegrates and becomes nothing. Oh, that's just oh the the alliances of college football have formed. I think the Big Twelve fully disbands in the next four years. I mean, it's there's there's whole other talking points to that, and I mean, I would be more than excited to get into them on a later episode as well with you guys. But that's just everything that's been coming out with the ACC, the Pac twelve, and the Big Ten now making an alliance. What is that about? Like you guys, you got to do something. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna get into this next week. We we got just got to figure out a time because this is too good to not talk about. But somebody has to do something, or the SEC is going to consume every team that means anything to college football. I mean, they've already proven this that they're just going to go. Oh, I want Texas. I want Oklahoma. And Texas and Oklahoma are going to be like, okay, see you, Big Twelve. Like they're going to go around and poach everybody unless the other conferences. I don't know if I don't really fully understand it's I think it's just more of like a gentleman's agreement at this point because I don't think they're all meshing together to become one conference I think this is more of like a please don't send your good teams to the SEC so we all at least have a chance to get somebody in the national title game well and I mean the thing that I think is funny is that Texas got pulled in to the SEC and the SEC is just gonna and I'm I apologize for Texas after this you lost Sam Ellinger you tried to pick up uh Steve Sarkeesian but Texas is mediocre in the big 12 yeah I mean you literally picked up like let's let's go here so they would be a part of the SEC West on moving forward as all this goes with Oklahoma so I mean you're already playing Oklahoma again in your in your conference side and so, I mean, now you're looking at the the SEC West, which is Alabama, Arkansas, Auburn, <laughs> LSU, Mississippi, Rip. Mississippi State, and then the Aggies at Texas A&M. And three or two out of those, two of those teams are top five in the country already. I mean, 
Texas is just adding to the mediocre or the mediocrity of the SEC when it comes to like the middle of the pack team. And we'll get, like I said, more into this next week. But you hit the nail on the head. Oklahoma runs the Big Twelve. That's fine. Oh, they're going to be no like doubt. third or fourth in the SEC because you have to play defense in the SEC, and I don't know how well that's going to transfer because the Big Twelve's notorious for. 59-52, scores of, and I feel for Texas. I mean, they're chasing the money bags, and I get it, but they're going to get just steamrolled. Even when they're going to uh, be good, they're going to be, like you said, middle of the road, and when they're bad, you think the Big 12 kicked you around. Gee, many, the SEC is going to roll you big time. Yeah, when you lose to Kansas, like <laughs> – you lose to Kansas, you can lose to Vanderbilt. You can lose to, well, I can't say Kentucky anymore because Kentucky's good. Yeah. The entire SEC West is pretty stacked. Let's see here. We got for the East, we got Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Missouri, South Carolina, Tennessee, Vanderbilt. The only bottom-of-the-road team right now in the SEC, I think, is Vanderbilt. And then Missouri. But Yeah. Uh, I mean, come on. And now the SEC, last thing I will say about this, there are one – there are two. They will now have four former Big 12 uh, teams in Missouri, Texas A&M, Texas, and Oklahoma. And then I'm so. going to add one more thing to this before we wrap it up and call it a podcast because I know that you and I could talk about this for a long time, but it's so uh, frustrating is going to be the word I'm going to use here because, all right, I'm just pulling – Oklahoma and Texas into the SEC. They don't technically leave till 25 if the Big 12 can last that long. That means Oklahoma, Alabama, and some other SEC team, you could have three SEC teams in your college football playoff. Because Oklahoma's There's a perennial. There's already going to be three. There's already going to be three. I mean, this year there will probably be three. Like, let's take one quick look at the rankings here if my laptop wants to actually, like, help me out here. Oh, no, that's recruiting. Wrong R. Give me, like, two seconds. <laughs> but, okay, yeah, we're I mean, pulling it up now. It, it's amazing to me. You're, you're going to have the potential for four teams. And I, 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 am a, I am a college football fan through and through. But that's going to piss a lot of people off. No one's going to want to watch. I mean, it's tough enough to see Alabama run the show every year. But when you get – you're going to get four teams from the SEC, it's, it's going to be tough. And I think that's why everybody else is banding together and hoping like crazy that no one goes back on this agreement and you can uh, try to get somebody other than an SEC team in there. Granted, the SEC will continue to just be really good at football. Yeah. And this is where, like, again, the College Football Playoff Committee, and Jonathan, we talked about this before, this is where they have to open it up to some of the non-Power 5 conferences. Mm-hmm. And you got to look at, uh, I think, Cincinnati in their conference in the American are, like, one of the best conferences to kind of add because, I mean, they've had SMU, who's been a little bit of on the come up. They've had UCF, obviously, the national champs. And then Cincinnati's <laughs> just kind of running the show. Houston's in there. Memphis is always a contender. South Florida, after they lost uh, Flowers, uh, who was one of their quarterbacks. But, I mean, I think the American Conference, if you kind of add some teams into there, they could be looking to be the next uh, Power Five, if you will, even though there will never be a Power Five anymore. But, yeah, that is interesting. And uh, we're definitely going to be getting an episode uh, coming up. we got to get her, get her going uh, at some point before the NFL season starts, which is 
slowly but surely getting here already and a lot of uh, craziness with college football. And uh, with that, I think we're going to wrap her up. Ten episodes. This is the 10th episode of the Covert Show, unless RC's got something over there. He's been staring at his phone, probably playing TikTok and Twitter, two of his favorite apps. It's his favorite social media sites. He hates Facebook and loves Twitter. You heard it here first. Not gonna, not even, not even gonna say anything about that. Just gonna roll with. Uh, He's ordering hex bugs. There, oh, damn right I am. Oh, there it is. <laughs> They're gonna be in the mail for the next show, and you're just gonna hear, "Ah, oh, damn hex bug! Why do you keep falling off the table?" He's just gonna hold the bike down to the floor, and you're just gonna hear it rattling around in the. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, Nick, what do you got for social media you want to shout out here as uh, we wrap up episode number ten? Well, I mean, you can you can follow me on my good old Twitter page, but I mean, my website will be coming out very shortly here with some of my own kind of content. You can search me up at nickwarrior8.wixsite.com backslash Nick Henrik. So, I mean, the website launch here, we're kind of working on it. Hopefully, in the middle of September or kind of towards the end to start with some fall videos and try to get a little bit of a business up and running. Oh boy. So that's the uh, big one uh, for you for the uh, Colbert show. You can follow us at Twitter at the Colbert show. All these names are as easy as I could make them. The Facebook page is the Colbert show. Uh, we have the new TikTok. You're guessing it. The pattern here, the Colbert show, and I'm missing one and I can't think of what it is. Oh, the Gmail. The, uh, no, we do not have a gram. But I, I maybe we'll get one. I don't know what we would put on there. But the uh, Gmail, uh, thecovertshow at gmail.com if you want to uh, email us. Once again, shout out to Ray's as uh, Covert20 for 15% off. And that'll just about do it. Thanks for uh, coming on the podcast, Nick. And we will definitely have you on down the line. Oh, it's been an absolute blast. My pleasure, and thank you guys for having me on. We we will definitely be wanting to be on this more. All right, sweet. And for RC, who has been rocking and rolling over there at the big old desk, getting the clown of the episode rolling, I'm JC. Thanks for listening. This has been episode number 10 of The Covert Show.